Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Queen of Queries and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. We truly run the gambit in here in terms of rank from Padawan to Master and apparently Pirate to Master. But no matter what rank you carry, one thing remains constant. Much to learn we still have. Very true. So today on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are starting our exploration of the character Sabine Wren, who was voiced by Tia Sarkar from 2014 to 2018 on Star Wars Rebels. As always, uh, this episode contains spoilers for all four seasons of Rebels and potentially beyond. So if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels yet and Colleen hasn't managed to track you down and force you, like the go Mandalorian watch it. that we're going to be covering, <laughs> go watch Rebels and then come back. And if you have, grab a drink from the cantina, sit back and unwind as we engage your mind exploring this magnetic Mandalorian. All that being said, let's punch it. So since context is key, Sarah and Colleen, can you guys start us off on top of the Wayback Machine and give us a little bit of context around women and representation in Star Wars? Yeah, sure thing. And to give credit where it's due, a lot of this research came from you, Anders. So thank you very much. To kind of kick things off, beginning in 1977, when Star Wars first premiered, young women and older women were treated to a sassy, smart warrior princess in the form of Leia Organa. She never missed with a blaster, which was something that George Lucas would later show on is like a trait that she inherited from her mother, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. And she was a well-respected military leader and a smooth-talking diplomat all rolled in to one. Queen for eternity. Yes. <laughs> Throughout the original trilogy and through the later sequels, Leia was Leia was a absolute key figure. She would evolve over the course of the original trilogy, several tie-in novels, and the new trilogy from Princess in Need of Rescue into a rebel leader, New Republic Senator, resistant resistance general, and Jedi Knight. Wild, wild. I love her. I so love much Leia going so much. on with her. NBB. <laughs> She's basically just the boss of everyone. Uh, I mean, that's not to say that there isn't anything to criticize about our favorite space general or her role in the story. Um, well, she's undoubtedly a force to be reckoned with. Star Wars has long been plagued by criticism about equally representing women in its stories. Shocking, especially diverse women. Carrie Fisher was always very candid about being required to lose weight for the role. In, Which is um, consistent for many women. Yes, yeah. across the board, especially early on. And shockingly, or not so shockingly, even in 2016. She was in an interview with Stephen Colbert um, about being 19 in 1977 and playing Leia for the first time. She was Quote, only 19. 19. <laughs> Wild. Mark Hamill was young too, but yeah, yeah, both really so, so young. Quote, the first movie I had, I guess you'd still call it Baby Fat. <laughs> I love Carrie Fisher. I love her. She was so, so great about all this. Yeah. She's yeah. like, I would like to call it that, but it was probably just fat. Like, so what? Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't her. even matter. Oh, well, so what was. Exactly. <laughs> so they sent her to a fat farm where they harvest fat. Wild. 
unquote. Uh, she would also later admit that she was pressured to lose weight, about 30, 35 pounds for the, her role in The Force Awakens. So it's still here in the late 2010s about yeah, losing the weight when you're a lady. And, and, and to be fair, not just ladies. Like There yes. have been some recent yes. great articles about men who have been brave and smart Shamed. enough to, to come forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's really, it's very sad. Like, really? It's 2020, y'all. We can get past that. Unfortunately, also, the main storyline that many of us remember from Leia in Star Wars isn't her razor-sharp wit or her, like, fantastic blaster abilities, which we should be looking at. Mm. Uh, it's only about how those things inform her relationship, her romantic relationship with the lovable rogue Han Solo. Or maybe her retconned into incest kiss with Luke. So weird. <laughs> so weird. I know how you love a good retcon, So weird. I mean, some retcons I'm fine with. This one, it's just George didn't know where he was going, and that's fine. And speaking of the forced weight loss, don't get me started on that fucking gold bikini. Yeah, I mean, she looked absolutely fantastic she in it. Great. Let's be she clear. Boys dream. Great. Um, but, but I love her response to Insider when they asked her about how, like, when parents come up to her and are reacting to that whole deal. And she said, quote, when parents said they didn't know how to explain toys that depicted Carrie Fisher in the gold bikini costume to their kids, she said, quote, tell them that a giant slug captured me and forced me to wear that stupid outfit, and then I killed him because I didn't like it, and then I took it off backstage. Like, Hot so good. It's so, so good. But Colleen, let's switch her. some gears and look oh, at yep, where we are yep. in uh, more recent years. Mm, yes. I mean, Disney and Star Wars have made very noticeable, if not always successful, efforts to attempt to develop strong female characters that can be looked at as role models for young women across the world. We were introduced to a slew of ladies. I love all these lady characters. We have Padawan Ahsoka Tano and Sith Assassin Asajj Ventress in Clone Wars, both fantastic ladies. Jin Erso in Rogue One. Uh, Rose and Rey, of course, in the new trilogy, the sequel trilogy. And one of my personal favorites, Captain Hera Syndulo in Rebels, Sabine's mom, pretty much. But today, <laughs> we're going to focus on one of the most interesting and there's an argument for most important new characters, especially in terms of representation. Another member of the ghost crew, like I said, Sabine Wren. Yes, yeah. Sabine. So, so to just get an idea of what Sabine has meant to Star Wars fans, uh, we're going to take a look at a post that Bria Lavorgna, uh, who's a guest writer for the website Nerds of Color, wrote back in November 2015, entitled Spark of Diversity, what Sabine Wren means for Star Wars that just kind of summarizes her feelings around Mandalorian and seeing her on screen. So she says, I wish that I'd been born later. I wish that I could have had the opportunity to watch Star Wars Rebels as a kid and see a teenage girl who looked like me up there on the screen. I wish that I could have had a chance at a younger age to watch an Asian woman be an integral part of our team of heroes with no one commenting on her race or gender as she blows things up to start, stop the enemy, artistically. I wish I'd been able to see a capable lady in the Star Wars universe who looked like me and who did more for the plot than serve as space scenery. I wish I'd had that extra positive reinforcement that Sabine will give all of these young girls out there. And then she 
continues to go on and she discusses what it's like to go to cons and see Sabine cosplay, especially when it's like a young Asian girl and what that means to her. Yeah. Yeah, and I really appreciated her perspective because as much as we wanted to highlight it, it's not exactly as though read the room, we can speak to it personally. No. And Gender, yes, race, no. Right. And speaking of cosplay, (laughs) in a 2017 interview, Tia Sakar flagged the cosplay as the coolest Sabine-related fan creations she's seen so far. And I love this because I've gotten to go to like some Comic-Cons and it's just fantastic energy. So she says, getting to see people cosplay Sabine is such a thrill and an honor for me. I feel like everyone who does the cosplay, everyone just kills it. Like, yes, yes. They do the different seasons hair. I'm so impressed every time someone sends me a picture from a convention somewhere in the world and there's this being fully decked out. It's a huge joy for me to get to see people from all different backgrounds. I've seen little kids cosplay Sabine. I've seen adults cosplay Sabine. That to me is really gratifying, end quote. Ah, that's just such a cool great energy such good energy and again so on the topic of tia sarkar um whose parents are both originally from calcutta india um some of you guys may know her um better by sight as real eleanor slash vicky on the good place where she just does a hilarious turn yeah if you haven't watched the good place go watch it it's absolutely worth it especially during quarantine it's such good comfort food um so In the last few months, there's been a lot of renewed scrutiny around animated characters of color being voiced by white performers um, from Netflix's Big Mouth, Apple Plus's Central Park. There have been white actors who've been stepping down to allow actors of color to voice those roles. Um, Even shows we all cherish, Avatar The Last Airbender is not immune from this with its voice casts. Alison Brie, who voided voiced the Vietnamese character Diane Nguyen on BoJack Horseman, a show I know we here absolutely are obsessed with and want to cover at some point, um, has come out and said that she does actually regret taking that role when a Vietnamese actress could have been given that opportunity. So all that is to say we do want to recognize that Sabine is a woman of color being played by a woman of color, and that is a step on the right path. Yep, absolutely. If only one step. Yep. And it's one, one step. It, it's true. One step after the other and just keep marching forward. Speaking of which, in the 2017 interview I mentioned earlier, where she discusses Star Wars Rebels and her hopes for the future of Sabine, she shared that, quote, I didn't get to see a lot of those characters. I didn't get to see superhero characters who look like me when I was growing up very much reminiscent of the author from earlier, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can contribute to changing in some small way for younger people now, that's hugely important to me. Representation is so important. Star Wars is kind of on the forefront of having tons of female protagonists between the live action films and animated series. I mean, there's an Asian female lead actor in the next one and that's so exciting. I love that Star Wars is on the forefront of making the face of what heroes look like change. Mm-hmm. Can yes. she just talk all the time? <laughs> yes, I love her. We love She's her. fantastic. She can do all the interviews. We, we do love how diverse the ghost crew is. 
uh, we just finished covering Ezra Bridger, Sabine's mm -hmm. young, younger counterpart, who's also a person of color. It's great to see the creator stepping outside the box in just not having a bunch of white people save the galaxy. Yep. In the ghost crew, it's only Kanan who's white. <laughs> so like, yay. Good job. That is definitely yay. And it, but it's stuff like that that just really makes me wish. I, I mentioned this at the start of the Ezra pods that I wish Rebels had had more fanfare when it was on. Mm. Like it didn't get this splashy release as the first new Star Wars series when Clone Wars first premiered or when Netflix saved it or when it came back on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it obviously didn't have like this big splashy marketing budget that or a marketing campaign that the theatrical films get. So while we're celebrating Sabine as a step forward on the representation front, unfortunately, the more public steps have been mostly backwards. Um, I think we'd be extremely remiss while we're recording this if we didn't mention John Boyega's really recent interview yep. where he detailed his frustrations that, you know, The Force Awakens was coming out and he was really front and center in the marketing campaign. We have got yes. a black lead in the center. He's going to be the focus. Mm -hmm. And then as that trilogy goes on, he and the other characters of color are progressively sidelined more and more to make room for the white for the white characters. You know, a character like Rose um, is almost entirely cut from Rise of Skywalker. Right. And Kelly Marie Tran was pressured to leave social media over this toxic white masculinity hate mm -hmm. being thrown her way for, you know, daring to be a non-white woman in a mm -hmm. prominent Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and it's really a lot of choice words, and it's just really frustrating to to look at that to see that Disney and Star Wars are capable of developing these great characters, but they're they don't get to be in the front and center of the big splashy yeah. marketing events. They're still kind of relegated to the sides. Right. So, as with everything, when it comes to equality and rep representation, two steps forward, one step back, possibly more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like Ming-Na Wen's character in The Mandalorian. I really hope she wasn't around for just one episode to be killed. True, but I also have like secret hopes that maybe she was, and then they just recast her as a much older Sabine. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for that. I'm absolutely here for that. <laughs> Ming-Na Wen in everything, please. Ming-Na yes. Wen in everything. <laughs> Um, and she's got time now because Agents of Shield finally finally ended. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. God, that was yeah. such a good that was such a good finale. Other topic. <laughs> <laughs> with all of this Tangent. kind of in our heads, <laughs> with all of this in our heads now, with all this context, let's actually get into this detailed dorky dive with a yeah. brief history of Sabine Wren. So, mm -hmm. Colleen, you want to take it away? Yes, of course. Sabine <laughs> is a Mandalorian of Clan Wren. During her youth, she enrolled at the Imperial Academy as a cadet because that's just what you did if you wanted to advance. Yep. Eventually, she did deserve. Yep, if you wanted to do anything, you had to basically go to an academy for the Empire. Sorry, y'all. That's what you had to do. She did eventually desert after a weapon that she designed was turned against her own people. After her desertion, she was marked as a traitor by both her family and the Empire and Mandalore. Tough break. Yep. Mm, not great. Tough look for our girl. And <laughs> because she stood up to them, so of course she's a traitor. Eventually, she became a member of the Ghost Crew, though. Her new family. She served as an engineer and a soldier for the crew, making her mark all over the ship. Quite literally. And then place, <laughs> yep, on places she visited with her art, of course. 
uh, for which she always has a passion, which was encouraged by her father, which is adorable. And I know we're going to talk about him at some point. Oh, those are some yeah. great scenes. And this is kind of her like political activism coming out, her anti-propaganda, if you will, the awesome graffiti that's all around Lothal <laughs> and other places that they visit. It's just great. Uh, Sabine would remain a member of the Ghost Crew until she eventually returned to Mandalore, wielding the legendary Dark Saber. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> to help reconcile with her family and unite her people. She would return to the ghost eventually, though, to help liberate her friend Ezra's home planet of Lothal. After the planet was saved, she stayed behind to help protect it in case the yeah. Imperial reprisal came. Which, which never they did. thought it would. It never did, but they were very sure it would. After the fall of the Empire, Sabine sets out with Ahsoka Tano, girl's trip, on a presumed <laughs> search for lost Ezra. I'm here for all the freaking girls road trip. Sabine, yeah, I Ahsoka. would love that. No, that series has to happen. Yep, yeah. sign me up. Sign me all the way up for that. Yes. So for me, Sabine just stands as one of my absolute favorite characters in Rebels. And mm -hmm. in this series, we decided we want to focus on three roles Sabine takes on throughout the course of Rebels and how they really interact with each other and work together to create this amazing, unique character. And Colleen, you kind of hinted at all three of these before. Um, Sabine plays the role of the warrior, the engineer, and the artist. So for today, Sarah, would you get us started, please, with Sabine's role as a warrior? Yeah, and I think for the next two episodes, or next episode, we'll be covering her other sections. So if you're yes. excited about her concept as a warrior, buckle in. Um, I mean, when she first blasts onto the scene in the series premiere, we are primed to expect her to be an absolute boss of a fighter. Yes. We, as viewers, are primed so brilliantly to know all too well what that armor means. Mm -hmm. And so throughout the history of Star Wars, one thing you can say about every Mandalorian we've met is this. They are absolute fighters. Yes. Mm -hmm. Every single one we've come into contact with. Boba Fett, Jango Fett, Mando, Bo-Katan. We've never met a Mandalorian at this point without that warrior spirit. So, you know, the series premiere of Rebels comes on, you're seeing these kind of background people start to interact with each other and instantly you recognize that helmet, you see the Mandalorian and you're just like, all right, her armor's like bright pink and purple, but you know that she's gonna be important and that she's gonna be able to hold her own. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. Even the tragic Duchess Satine from the Clone Wars, while a strict pacifist, was still a fierce believer and political fighter for her people. So, I mean, yes. no, matter, no matter what role or function Sabine is going to be doing on screen, we already know she is coming to play, and Sabine is no exception in this tradition. Mm -hmm. In the season one episode, mm -hmm. Out of Darkness, it is her quick thinking and strategy that allows her to use several canisters, and I love this, of highly explosive, and tell me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Rhydonium? Rhydonium. Yes, good job, Sarah. Ooh, the pronunciations make me nervous, so like, may I help whenever I get them wrong. Can't yeah. wait till we get to Thrawn, and I have to say his full name. That's going to be fun. 
as a means of holding off waves of fear knocks and buy time for the ghost to come to the rescue. Mm -hmm. Her strategy game is so strong. I mean, she would make a good quarterback, let's be honest. Out-of-the-box thinker and innovative. And And I would say kind of lethal from the jump. Absolutely. I mean, she's... You know, she's kind of placing these canisters, and she is not missing a shot. She is absolutely primed to be lethal and beat these creatures back until for as long as they need to. Yeah, she's had very good training. Yes. In other words, especially since she's only like 16, 17 at this point, which is insane. Which is uh, during the trials, yeah. I know, right? She's, they're so young crazy i always thought she was older and they're like she's 16 like well, yeah she's only like a year old she's almost ezra ezra's age yeah, right you're you're older than Ezra. year or two mm-hmm. still craziness mm. um this is also one of our favorite arcs the trials of the dark saber arc yeah. in season three yes oh uh, we get to see sabine's warrior nature and training come into full focus in these episodes having retrieved the sacred dark saber she trains with kanan and ezra to learn how to wield the weapon and unite mandalore against the empire the fact that she can wield a lightsaber at all with any ability without overt force sensitivity is amazing. Like yes. other characters, including fellow Mandalorian Pre Vizsla, can wield it, but it does take some degree of force connection and manipulation in order to use it. Yeah. And so, for anyone watching or listening who is still not quite familiar with the Darksaber, just a super brief background history on it here. So the Darksaber is an ancient and, as far as we know, absolutely unique lightsaber lightsaber of Tar Vizsla, uh, who was the first Mandalorian Jedi. It's marked by its very large flattened hilt and its broad black blade. The Darksaber is a sacred relic of Mandalore with Vizsla's family, stealing it back from the Jedi Temple after his death. Throughout Clone Wars and Rebels, viewers have seen it change hands from Pre Vizsla, the leader of Death Watch, to Colleen's favorite uh, bad boy, former Sith Lord Maul, and eventually Sabine. The Darksaber is a symbol to the Mandalorian people, and those who we have seen who have the skill to wield it are very rare mm-hmm. and, as, and are worthy to be seen as leaders by the Mandalorian people as a whole. It's pretty much their Excalibur, no? Yes. It really is. Yeah. Like, if you can find it and if you can successfully wield it, you are. Yes. Like, you the Mandalore, kind of. They're, yeah. They're cultural, spiritual leader, basically. Yeah. Which um, Satine was not. She was not the Mandalore, but she was still the leader. It's a lot of strange things going on in Mandalore culture that I'm sure we'll cover at some point. Yeah, they also um, just, you know, hand it over to Maul at some point, because why not? <laughs> I mean, Maul does beat. Vizsla, yeah, he but earns, he's not a Mandalorian. He earns the right to wield it, but eh. that's why the factions break there. <laughs> it's a very Dothraki passage of you know, yeah. like a little blip on the dark saber mm-hmm. timeline. Exactly. exactly. Well, freaking Moff Gideon has it now, so that's just not okay either. I'd rather Maul have it. But back to Sabine. <laughs> yeah, tell um, us about her training to use this yep, weapon. Yes. While she's training to use the dark saber, she's forced to face her inner demons and admit her fears and regrets about her past. Uh, we'll delve into the specifics on the regrets in our next episode when we discuss Sabine's role as engineer. Mm-hmm. And this training too, we just get some of the absolute best like relationship building banter between Ezra and Sabine, yes. like along with Cadence, so you know. Not so subtle reminder that, yeah, the Mandalorians are absolutely 
great fighters and all, but yes. the Jedi won that war. <laughs> There's that great Ooh. point. Yeah. She's got her like anti force user like helper weapons, mm -hmm. and he just like puts her down. And he's like, "Remember, you lost." Yeah, we won that war though. <laughs> Dunk. Whoopsies. Cannons. Cannons teaching style. Definitely something we'll have to talk about later. <laughs> yes. Because mm. yeah. damn, <laughs> mm. we'll get to Canaan at some point. But Sabine, she ultimately reconciles with her family. She has to best Gar Saxon in single combat. He is the current leader of Mandalore, earning her place back at her mother's side and showing off her impressive fighting skills. In the meantime, Sabine is a warrior of skill and honor, and she has earned the right to be considered alongside Star Wars' most fierce fighters. I'd say she's probably yes. top five. She's almost definitely top five. Mm -hmm. um, and she's just that that whole fight with him on the ice oh, so is cool. just so cool and so beautiful mm -hmm. um and everything about it is just amazing <laughs> so we're talking about sabine as, as the warrior and that's not to say that the warrior woman kind of archetype is new obviously right. not mm -hmm. you know there's Katara, Korra, and Toph from the Avatar universe. Mm -hmm. We've already mentioned Ahsoka Tano, yep. Wonder Woman, Xena. These are all instances of the warrior women. Mm -hmm. But Sabine, I think, really manages to avoid some of the tropes that of the traditional warrior woman that a lot of these characters tend to fall into, you know? Her costume is not just ridiculously skimpy, like a Wonder right. Woman or a Xena. They also she make a armor. She has armor they make a great play on this on the um uh if anyone watches the amazon series the boys the character starlight yes they make a yes. great parody of that skimpy outfit as a quote-unquote empowering thing mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and they also deal with it directly which is fantastic yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, Sabine never really has those moments where someone is underestimating her because she's a woman, kind of like Katara has to deal with an avatar. Mm -hmm. She never has to stand up and prove her worth based on the fact that she's a woman. She never has one of those Hermione at the Yule Ball glow up scenes where all of a sudden we suddenly realize, oh, she's a girl. Yeah. Like when her hair changes, it's just because it's cool. Like it's it has just, nothing yeah. to do with her like having a save the last dance thing. She has her own like degree of femininity and her own style, mm -hmm. um, and that armor, she absolutely makes her mark on it. It is unique to any Mandalorian armor we've seen so far, mm -hmm. but it's still an instant indicator that she should just be respected for her skills straight off the bat. Yep. There's no like big, huge, hunking guy who comes in, he's just like, oh, this is going to be easy to fight, and then she ends up kicking his ass. She never has to deal with any of those comments. Ezra never makes a comment to her that's like, oh, you're strong or you're good for a girl. Right. And she never has to do that. You know, we get some of the awkward teen flirting, but yeah. that's not really, it's not really on the same. They way. don't have too many options as well. That's Let's be true. honest. It's just true. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra sees her as like this formidable person from the jump. He automatically respects her. Like even when he's trying to flirt with her, he's like, whoa, she's hot because she's this badass woman. It's one of the reasons he likes her so much is because she's this capable person. Yeah. Yeah. And she has absolutely no problem just be like, yo, don't got time for that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll toy with yeah. you a little bit, but Away. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go over there, please. And 
you know, we've, we've been talking about Sabine as a means of representation and why that's important, but bringing actually some real world context around this idea of, you know, quote unquote, warrior women. It's just extremely timely to look at someone Sabine like Sabine, given the strides over the last, I mean, realistically over the last like 70 years, but um, of the last several years, the strides that women are making in terms of taking a more active role in military operations. So going all the way back to World War II was the first time that countries were just absolutely desperate for soldiers, and they started opening posts up to women for the first time. The U.S. allowed women to fly military planes for the first time during World War II, um, and Russia was actually the first country that had women flying combat missions. There's an amazing episode of Drunk History on this. I highly yes. recommend you look it up. <laughs> I love the Russian women fighter pilot stories. Are yes. Amazing. It's a fantastic story. So, cool. <laughs> um, so, you know, now again, two steps forward, one step back. Women got some of these roles and recognition, but after the war ended, the roles were scaled back significantly in the United States. In fact, in 1948, Congress passed a law that legally limited women to making up only 2% of the U.S. military. Living the 1950s. Eventually, that was repealed and that limitation was overcome. But as of 2013, women still only make up about 15% of the U.S. military, despite being what, 51% of the population, I think. Um, 2013 also saw the U.S. officially lift its ban on women in combat roles for the first time, which, mm-hmm. good step, but again, that is much later than many of our allies lifted their own bans, I have to note. So today, women and other genders, for that matter, continue to fight to secure their rights around serving in the military, while also fighting against cultures of silence around toxic masculinity, sexual harassment, sexual assaults, and everything associated with that. And, you know, one of the major ways to fight those types of cultural battles, in addition to actually holding perpetrators to account, which is still something that there's a lot of work to be done on, yep. is to provide characters and role models like Sabine, who can give inspiration and be role models for young people. Yes. So that kind of wraps up our discussion on Sabine as the warrior, but both, do you guys have any closing thoughts on that before we move into a little Master and Apprentice? I, I love, so. I, the only thing I have to add is that I think it is so innovative and cool to have a Mandalorian fighting with art and having mm-hmm. her art be explosive in impact, both from like a scientific standpoint, yeah, quite <laughs> literally, but also figuratively, I think it's just so genius. Innovative. In- innovative and genius to help show kids, since this is a kids show, right? Yes. Um, the power that art has because Mm -hmm. then you see how Thrawn covets her artwork and and recognizes the power of her father and her with fighting not just with your fists in the traditional sense Mm -hmm. but also being a warrior with one's art and so that's often more dangerous yeah I have to tip 
I have to tip the hat. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to go into a lot of detail on that when we discuss Sabine as the artist. Yes. Mm -hmm. What about you, Colleen? Do you have a favorite Sabine warrior Mm -hmm. fighting moment? Um, uh, I've got a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I I would think nothing. Almost everything. (laughs) I know, right? It's all in my notes. Um, I mainly love that no one takes it for granted because she's a woman, like we talked about before. No one is shocked when she's a capable warrior or a leader, even other Mandalorians, like they don't think twice about a woman being a leader. I mean, her mother, can you imagine somebody trying to send Ursa Wren home from war? No. No. (laughs) That would so not happen. (laughs) She'd form her own splinter group and end up taking (laughs) over the world. Um, uh, Mandalore has this proud tradition of, she does, basically. (laughs) She rules Cronus by herself, basically. She's like, really could use my daughter for this, but I guess I'll take my son, I suppose. Um, It's not all that surprising, though. It's a strong step forward for women in warrior roles. Uh, My favorite moment is when she learned how to wield the lightsaber for the first time. They're on the family's planet, Cronist, and Gar Saxon has the darksaber. So Ezra, like, freaking hurls his own lightsaber at Sabine, and she catches it and just starts freaking kicking his ass all across that icy lake. I love that amazing. That's such a great, so like... So shows she can yeah. also use another lightsaber. She doesn't just know how yes. to wield the darksaber. It's beautiful. And it's just this... That's also a great, like, trust-building moment between her and Ezra that, like... He, he doesn't is, even hesitate. He's like, nope, she's got this. Bam! Um, and that's also just an incredible moment, apart from the stuff we just said. Um, you know, other than Han cutting open the Tauntaun, hmm. Sabine mm-hmm. really is... Darksaber notwithstanding, as a couple of the users we've mentioned, the first really major non-force user that we've seen wield the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Finn technically does too, but he is officially retconned into being force sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, not really here for anyone's takes on wait, that. We are not yeah, really getting Rise of Skywalker. Sorry. No, Let's go. Let's do this. Are we litigating um, retcons? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's clearly another topic for another day. Um, yes, but even then, I have an explanation for how he could wield a lightsaber without force-sensitive training. Um, he, I have that. He was prepped. trained at least. He was trained in hand-to-hand combat. Like we mm-hmm. see stormtroopers with like vibroblade type stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he would know. At how that to point, do it. Kylo had been shot in the ribs with. Listen, we're not doing this now. We're not doing this now. We're not doing this now because I want to do it now, and we're not doing it now. Segway. Shut it down. Shut it down. So. <laughs> yeah, more than a match for him. Um, she dispatches him, Gar Saxon, but she shows mercy. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, I also love whenever Sabine uses her sizable intellect to get out of tough scrapes, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about later when we get into her engineer stuff. Yeah, she is very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 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 smart. She's always the smartest one in the room. I mean, yep. Thrawn would definitely be having long conversations with Sabine. Yep, and that's just I think at least again. Once. <laughs> loops back to her incredible artistry but that's again another topic for our next time yes so i think with that we are going to kind of wrap up our discussion on sabine the warrior but and we'll get into obviously next time will be our episode on sabine the engineer but until then you know we want to know what you guys think what thoughts or questions do you have about sabine in general her role as a woman um, her role as a warrior, women in general in Star Wars, let us know in the comments, email or tweet at us, you know. 
Hit us up. Bring it do on. what you do. Slide into Ask our us DMs. Your what questions? Up? <laughs> yep. Ask us all your questions. Yeah. And and before we wrap up, instead of doing it as kind of a last end chunk, it's time for a little bit of Master and Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Our friend Matt Harrington asked us um, if Sabine's mom. Uh, was part of the night owl faction you know do you think sabine would have grown up in the death watch mandalorian faction if maul hadn't interfered Mm. in mandalorian affairs colleen i'll respectfully Mm. defer to both of you two (laughs) and just hopefully keep it kosher here why don't you start off with this one um i definitely think (laughs) that since her mother was part of death watch as the night owls under bo katan if they had continued to be in power, Sabine definitely would have been raised under this sort of umbrella. Um, her mom is still pretty militant. I mean, she doesn't need to be part of Death Watch to be kind of out there with her warrior ideas. It kind of happens in The Mandalorian also, where Din Djarin is rescued by Death Watch. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure where in the timeline this is, so it kind of makes you wonder how he was raised. All that matters <laughs> is this is the way. Yes, exactly. This is the way. <laughs> I I think that Sabine definitely would have become a night owl. I could Whether see that. Whether Previsla was alive or not, she still would. I mean, their clan ran loyal to House Bisla, so they have that underlying loyalty going on there. They do. I think, yeah, I think it absolutely makes sense that she would have at least started that way. Mm-hmm. But given her defection from the Empire, her penchant for asking questions, that kind of natural inquisitiveness, I don't know if they would have been able to like kind of train that Hold or beat her. that out of her. She would have so gotten kicked I think, out. Th- I think her good heart and her her true innate sense of right and wrong, right and wrong, would have still kind of won out in the end, and she would have ended up on a very similar path that she did. I think she learned that from her dad. She really did. Well, altruistic, yes, some, artistic the altruistic, of. although he does say, you know, that the creativity definitely comes from her mother. Yes, mm. which is funny. But like, the talent is from the dad, but the creativity <laughs> is from her mother. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> on a somewhat similar note, so Connie wants to know, and when she sent us this question, she was straight up just asking it straight to Sabine. So yeah, that's how I'm gonna <laughs> which <read> I appreciate <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, so she wants she wants to know from Sabine, did you train with your mom growing up? Did she instill the ways of the warrior with you as a youngling? Was she super stern and like never said I love you or anything, but showed it in how much food she hoisted on you and like small, barely there smiles of approval. So I almost want to just say yes, like across the board, kind of. <laughs> but there was like one meal item, not like all meal items, but there was like the one meal that they understood. They had an understanding the special, over. The special yeah. I don't know, because I think from what we've seen of the Wrens through the series, you know, especially her father being kind of still a Mandalorian, obviously, but having that artistic side to him. Mm-hmm. And from what we do see of her mother, even if it was kind of tough love at times, yeah. I can't imagine that she never, like, she never said, I love you. I, I would think she would at some point. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't Pick just say, way. I know. It would be... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you never yeah, know tucking, with Ursa tucking, Ren. Tucking, tucking, tucking your kid in at night. I love yeah. you, Mom. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think I think that's kind of where we should leave it for today. Um, thanks for being with us, everyone. Come back next time when we continue our detailed dorky dive 
into Sabine Wren, less from like the representation standpoint, but more into her role as an engineer. So remember, if you prefer to enjoy listening to us in our podcast format, then you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or frankly, wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know. There are like a bajillion different (laughs) places that you can do this these days. And in the meantime, please help us keep growing. Head over to our YouTube and click that subscribe. If you haven't already, do that thing and tell other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help and it makes Mm -hmm. me happy. So (laughs) thank you all for joining us today and we'll see you next time. If you have any questions, comments, or theories about anything we've discussed, hit us up on Instagram, Bohemian Geek Studies. Tweet at us, Geek Studies, and email us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. Until next time, dark sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Thanks all. Cheers. Thanks everybody. Cheers.